Man, you know, here I am, uh, this Bulgarian from Cleveland. But uh, just about in the early 60s, there was a company in Chicago called Leo Burnett, which had just become, just got on the map as a national agency through some wonderful work they were doing for Pillsbury and Green Giant. And, of course, the now controversial Marlboro Men. Uh, but anyway, boy, did I want to work for these guys. These were my kind of people, and I wanted to avoid that New York scene at all costs. Uh, so I started there as a trainee in 1961. And I, listen, I wasn't the boy wonder or a legend in my own time, but I had a pretty nice little career going. And at age 27, 28, I'm the account executive on Marlboro. And these were terribly exciting days. And goes to what you may feel about the cigarette business today, uh, Philip Morris was the fifth largest cigarette company. The Marlboro business was going north. The Winston business was going south. It was the early days of Marlboro country. And I got to tell you, for a 27-year-old kid, this was an elixir. Uh, this was this was what I always wanted to do, and I was dancing as fast as I could. Uh, in about 72, 73, I got my first significant promotion. In those days, they called it account supervisor. You know, you had four windows and some drones reporting to you and man this is you know this was this is what it was all about and i was going i was going to new york 40 50 times a year uh we had four children well, had four children in the meantime the kids thought i flew from united airlines but i was in new york two three times a week and i mean i just loving i'm just loving this i mean this is the most exciting thing that could ever happen to anybody uh when you think you know life was Life was perfect, right? Well, not really. Along the way in my travels, I started to uh, I started to drink a lot. I'll tell you, I never got sick, I never got drunk, I never got mean, and I always answered the bell. But uh, I mean, I really had a tolerance for it. What's the old line? I was overserved. Uh, I got overserved a lot. Finally, Monica sits me down one night, and she said. Uh, you know, you're not meeting my needs, and you're not meeting the needs of the children, and by the way, you're drinking too much. <clears throat> my marriage wasn't dead, but it was sleeping, you might say. This had been married about 15 years at the time. Uh, our strategy in those days, uh, whenever there was a problem, we figured if we could change the sky, we could change our spirit. So our mentality was, oh, we'll take a vacation and everything will get better. So... This particular time, we went down to the Las Brisas Hotel down in uh, Acapulco, New Mexico. And one night after dinner, uh, we went up to a little shrine that is at the foot of a cross uh, at the Las Brisas. And I went there strictly as a tourist. Uh, first time I'd seen a cross probably in 10 years. But Monica has a very interesting experience there. We come out of that place, and she says, gee, I felt a presence, I felt a spirit. Uh, uh, she was shook up. She started to cry, uh, and she said, uh, "Boy, something's happening to me." The next day, she went up to see the general manager of the hotel, and she said, "Tell me about that shrine. Tell me about the cross on the top of the Las Vegas. There's a cross there; it must be 40 feet high. Uh, you can see it for miles." And the guy proceeded to tell her that that cross was constructed by the owner of the hotel, who lost his family in a jeep accident. He had four kids and a wife. He'd lost his family on a, one of those Jeep accidents on one of those funny Mexican roads. But he was such a faithful man of God, and he loved God so much, he was a devout Catholic, that in testimony to his family, he resurrected this huge cross at the top of the Las Brisas. 
well, this impressed Monica. It didn't impress me, right? I tell the ad guys, nothing impressed me. Uh, so when we got home, she said to me, you know, she said, I know some people that are going to a church near us, and uh, I think we should go to that church. Maybe that church was Winnetka Bible Church. And she said, if you don't want to go, that's fine, Richard. She always called me Richard when she was mad at me. Well, she still does. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so here I was. Remember, my marriage isn't dead, but it's sleeping. So I figure at this point, uh, I better go to Winnetka Bible Church for now remember, I'm basically unchurched. I'm dragged, kicking and screaming into Winnetka Bible Church. Uh, I, uh, I got to tell you, friends, it was cultural shock. Uh, evangelical buzzwords are bouncing off the wall. Uh, the preacher is talking about what it means in Hebrew and what it means in Greek. I couldn't understand in English, you know. But there I am, the guys. I'm there faithfully every week, and we all know why. Uh, started to go to Christian dinner parties. Boy, that got down on your drinking. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, boy, the amazing thing is, oh, I really started to like these people. I never met so many open, friendly, gracious, uh, unphony people in my life. I said to Monica, I said, yeah, they call these people take happiness pills. What's going on here? Uh, when I was at Winnetka Bible, I, I didn't hear the gospel for the first time, but I understood it. You know, you grow up in this culture, and the gospel, as we know it, almost, until you get into it, almost sounds like a nursery rhyme. You take it for granted, and, you know, the, you know the outcome. But you really get into it, and you understand the essence of it. When I was a Winnetka Bible, I did. Here's what I found out, the basics. That God loves us and has a plan for our life. John 3.16 says it's so good. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that he that believeth in him shall not perish. And then, of course, because of our sin, we're separated from God, and we can't experience God's plan for our life. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, after the first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, in the eyes of a holy God, we're all in trouble. They define sin for me, which I know in a terrific way. So the man was created to fellowship with God. But when we exhibit active rebellion or passive indifference to God, that is sin, and the wages of sin are death, Romans 6:28. The only provision for our sin is the reconciliation of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died in our place. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father except by me. David Wilkerson, the fine pastor of New York, uh, Times Square Church recently wrote he said I thank God for all good clean moral faithful people in the body of Christ as well as those outside the body of Christ folks who don't cheat lie steal use drugs gamble Google pornography or gossip all of us should act this way but says David none of these things will stand on judgment day we can't count on any of them to obtain favor or acceptance with God. Yet, sadly, millions of people think they'll stand before God on the goodness of their lives. No, says Wilkerson, we must understand this truth. We can be justified or accepted by God only by faith in the work Jesus Christ did at the cross.
be reconciled to God or through Jesus, there's a couple of things we have to do. We have to individually accept him as Lord and Savior. Then we can experience his plan for life. And the Bible also tells us that he throws in eternal life. Now, I found the gospel reasonable, attractive, but you know, I was, you know, I'm not too bright to begin with, but I had to make sure that is Christianity really a thinking man's religion? So after about, so after being at Winnetka Bible Church for about six months, I said, well, I'm going to search. You know, i got to search this thing out. And I went on a very earnest study. Uh, I went to Bible studies. Uh, I wanted to deal with the virgin birth. Uh, you know, all logical questions. <laughs> I think the, tru <laughs> the truth of the matter is, what I was really asking, is it safe to die? Prophecy was amazing. For example, one of the things I learned that there are 33, 33 prophecies in the Old Testament, Testament which were written anywhere between 4,500 or 450 and 1,000 years before the New Testament. Every single one of those prophecies was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. That made an impression. Then the other thing that I got into is who is this guy, Jesus Christ? If he isn't who he said he was, uh, then he's nuts or a madman and he's crazier than the Unabomber. And, I mean, that was a very strategic point for me. All right, so at this point I had all this head knowledge, uh, was really starting to understand the gospel, and uh, you know what? I didn't act on it. I didn't act on it at that time. Because, you know, to become a Christian, there's a cost. First, you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to admit, first of all, that you're sinful, and you've got to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm having this experience at Winnetka Bible Church. For the first time in my life, my career gets sticky. I inherit a new boss, or he inherits me. He's the only guy from Texas I never liked. He, he was, he was about... He was about five foot two. I don't have more degrees, and he was the smartest, meanest thing I ever had in my life. We're friends today. I'm not putting Burnett down. I mean, this happens in corporate life. But boy, I was starting to hear the footsteps. You know, I was really starting to get nervous. And uh, all this is going on, you know, while I'm having this new, this new experience uh, with Jesus. But even after I'd addressed all these intellectual questions, you know, I still, I still would not make a commitment. And I'll tell you why. I'll spell it for you. It's P-R-I-D-E. Pride. I was not ready to humble myself or turn my life over to Jesus. Well, you know, God knows me so well. Uh, about this time, my pal, five foot two, eyes of blue, he drops the big shoe on me. And after 15 years at the Burnett Company, he pronounces me unfit. And goes to the top management and said, you know, we ought to get rid of this hamburger Bulgarian from Cleveland. Uh, he ain't ever going to make it here. Well, you can imagine, after 15 years of investment, after loving this company, I am absolutely devastated. Uh, it was time to drain the, drain the swamp. And at that time, I rushed to that cross. Uh, I'll never forget it. We used to have uh, public confessions in Winnetka Bible Church. George Verreur from Operation Mobilization, some of you probably know, fantastic preacher. George is up there, he has an invitation. The Holy Spirit made my legs move. I was out of that chair, I didn't even know I was doing it, and I fell on my face, confessed Jesus is Lord and Savior. Uh, 
but boy, it sure took it sure took a lot, didn't it? Uh, slowly, not overnight, things began things began to change. Uh, the booze thing uh, really oh, it, it virtually disappeared. So what was this tremendous addiction uh, through no power of my own? It was completely lifted. Then the psychic paradigms in your life start to change too. Uh, <clears throat> found out the difference between joy and happiness. Uh, I felt for the first time guilt, total freedom from guilt. Uh, I watched four kids become Christians, and my marriage got better than ever. But my priorities were right. It was God, it was family, ministry, down here was, you know, the almighty Burdett Company. And when I got my priorities right, my career got restored six months later, and I was pretty lucky the rest of the way. Now, I always I was reluctant, you know, to become a Christian and I'm a great guy. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, I hate what I could be, I hate what I should be, but thanks be to God, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Now, these changes that took place in my life, uh, it did not happen through my own strength. When I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead, Godhead, came in, took residence in my body, and started to change and process me. It's literally a form of divine surgery. I mean, I am capable of very little good within myself. But through that connection with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, uh, boy, you sooner or later you get bulletproof, guys. Jesus said, when I go away, I will send a helper to you. John 16, 7, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And I can't conceive living on this earth without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Uh, after becoming Christians, <coughs> hey, we had some tough spots. I mean, just because you become a believer, everything isn't hunky-dory. At about age 15, uh, our youngest daughter, the wheel, started to come off. Uh, we whisked her down to Minworth Meyer down in Dallas, and uh, they said, uh, you know, we don't know what's the matter with her. Uh, we're not sure she's ever going to get better. Turned out she'd been molested from the time she was five by some balloon. The Minworth Meyer pronouncement was, she may not get her. she may not get better, uh, she may get better. We can't do any more for her. This is about ten years ago. Today, thanks to the Lord, uh, she's just fine, normal, functioning, without hardly any of the byproducts of that terrible thing. And we've had countless examples in our family, in our business, uh, where God is always faithful. I'm not always faithful, but he is. You know, the Bible says, you can do, Jesus says, you can do nothing without me, and you can do all things through me. Uh, my experience and the experience of our family is, boy, is that ever true. What a Christ. 100, day, 100 years from today, gentlemen, uh, how much money you make will be inconsequential whether you take that next trip or get a shot at the brass ring in your company is going to be of little significance. The only thing that's going to matter is going to be your commitment to God and relationship with Jesus Christ. In a minute, we're going to, give you an we're going to have an invitation and give you an opportunity to make a commitment to Jesus. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We're not going to ask anybody to stand up or raise their hand. Uh, I'm just going to give a short prayer, and if uh, you want to join me, that's wonderful. Nobody's going to be looking at you or checking on you. Before I do that, some of you may say, uh, well, I'm not so sure I want to do that. 
Let me give you a couple of reasons why you may not, and they're totally understandable. Somebody may say, ah, you know, you Christians are all a bunch of hypocrites. If you become a Christian, there'll be one more hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. Some will say, I'm too bad. You don't know what I've done. Gentlemen, there is nothing that we've done or thought of doing that isn't covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Some will say, I don't get all this heavy theology, all this religion, all this stuff. My gosh, I'd have to go to a convent for 40 years to even get it. Hey, God meets you right where you are. Some will say, I never kept, I never kept a relationship in my life. The good news is, Jesus keeps it, not us. And then someone might say, uh, I don't want to do this because I'm worried about what my wife may think, my girlfriend may think, my boss might think, or whoever. My answer to that is, none of those people are going to judge the world or you. Only Jesus is. If I could ask you to bow your heads, I'm going to uh, just say a brief prayer. If you'd like to pray it along with me, we'd welcome that. Jesus, I'm a sinner by choice and by nature. I don't know how to live. I don't know how to die. I firmly believe you died on the cross for my sins. You suffered in my place. We counted the cost of following you. I sincerely want to repent and surrender to you. I want you to be master of my life, and I'm willing to confess you to others. Lord, come into my life. I know you're knocking. I know you won't force your way in either. I open the door to make you master of my life. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Gentlemen, thank you. It's been uh, wonderful being here. If you'd be good enough to fill out the cards, there's an envelope on your desk, and they're pretty self-explanatory. Uh, there's a couple of boxes there. Uh, which you check if you prayed with if you prayed with me to receive Jesus, please check that. Then there's a uh, box for please notify me of your next luncheon. Third one's a good one. I would be interested in information on Bible discussion groups for businessmen, women, couples. I want to see more in, in, information about the uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And any comments that you have? It's wonderful to be here again. See a few familiar faces, and uh, God bless all of you. Thank you.